So now I'm out for the first time, uh, one year and a half. There's not much to say here. So I'm making two versions of it. One is the light version or the bliss version, which is, it's not that it's a better life, but it skips over the dark times. The other is uh, a dark version where it doesn't skip over my next psych ward. Uh, this one is a legitimate psych ward in that it literally has the word psychiatric ward. Uh, the next ward is voluntary, more like a blackmail voluntary, but voluntary. I skipped this over because it's the one where I contacted in, uh, immediately Junman Lapat, uh, psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Melda Batar. Uh, the session was pretty horrible. Like, uh, I had to like go through the, nor the uh, channels of scheduling for a psych session. So I couldn't just tell her, okay, help Junman Lapat because it wouldn't work. Uh, so I was telling her in the session, she didn't show focus or empathy at all for June. She treated it as if it's a basic, simple uh, psych session. And that is what uh, psychiatrists do. They are heartless. They don't see you for what it is. They observe you based on what the next medicine they can prescribe you are is going to be. If they don't prescribe you medicine, uh, it's mainly as a way to set up a situation where you may be caught in an off-guard situation before they prescribe that. So they'll, they'll sort of slip into the idea that, okay, maybe you just need therapy. Um, uh, a lot of uh, psychologists sometimes don't even realize that even psychiatrists can still prescribe uh, talk sessions. So a psychiatrist can have a talk session and then recommend a therapist maybe as a different talk session. And this could be psychiatrists, psychiatrists, this can be uh, psychologists, psychologists. It's not that they do not realize it, but usually they take it for granted that the psychiatrist doesn't even bother at all with that kind of counseling. So I skip over that because it's four months of having my brain fried, electric ECT, under the guise that, okay, you, you seem to have depression, but you don't have bipolar because you weren't prescribed lithium. Uh, that was back then. I'm prescribed lithium now because, you know, they wanted, my parents especially, they, even if they don't study the DSM or they don't want to study it, they don't want to understand the situation, they really wanted that bipolar. That was even like in plain view, that was it. Like, don't no bipolar type 1, type 2, no doctor telling you, just a cousin. It, it's a very, bipolar is one of those, uh, among younger children, I found ADHD to be the more dangerous one because they want to kill the child, the childlike behavior. With adults, there are other uh, symptoms, schizophrenia. I, I found out in the medical records, I have schizoaffective. So, uh, and then schizophrenia later on. So imagine that. Uh, I already suspected the schizoaffective because that is something she wrote down in my PWD, Persons with Disabilities card. But what's so funny about this, or what's so dangerous about this, is that with bipolar, you tell a person you have bipolar, they don't need to hallucinate. They don't need to, to have a, they just need to have an emotional outburst 
bang, that's manic. They they just have to be a depressed person that doesn't fit the depressed uh, label and bang, that's a version of manic depressive, an old term already, but okay, that that's still uh, bipolar. So they're sort of you're gonna be fit into the manic depressive so that they can hit you with the bipolar label. Of course, there are people who are really bipolar. And when I say really bipolar, it's that they really have uh, real highs, real lows. You did caught a lot of people off guard that this rapid transformation can happen to a person. But uh, it doesn't mean that the bipolar is real from a, uh, let's say, a biological perspective or based on the psychodynamic diagnostic manual, but it can be real based on the observations of a DSM manual. And DSM is the more I wildly used one. It's the more abusive one. It's the updated one that uh, caused the diagnosis boom. So here I, I was out and they controlled me. And a lot of people don't realize this, but the first, the reason I could contact medical system was because I was, you know, faking it. But I wasn't faking it the traditional way of, of uh, just acting as most of my uh, later uh, housemates, inmates, co-patients will recommend, and they think it will work until they get sent back in or their life is a mess. Or they're like, okay, this is shit. This is just shitty life. Uh, there's no way to adjust from it. So I'm like, I'm just gonna, you know, uh, tolerate this, move on, find a new way. And that is my cure. That is my cure while I'm still paying the outpatient uh, counseling sessions. Uh, that is my cure by not talking to people that matter to me from the inside who are there supporting me. So uh, I was speaking it in such a sense that previously I had already lived with this cousins of mine. So this aunt, this relatives, I consider them my second parents before because I knew that uh, uh, they sort of, uh, you could say, earn my trust back then, but also earn my distrust, earn my doubt. So I had a lot of stories there, but uh, the main one was basically, I I, I was literally joking. I, I, if you see me at, uh, uh, like, back then, pre-meeting them, I was silent. And this was the one, this was the persona that my parents built up in their head about me, the baby, the the kana in Chinese that they will always use uh, to sort of demean me, but then in a family therapy session in Filipino or in English, they they will never use that. And if you, you sort of bring that up, even the psychiatrists usually or psychologists usually were like, uh, maybe it's just natural, but they're old, they're seniors. Yeah, the seniors that sent me to one year and a half until my grandmother died. You're excusing the senior and then you're excusing the, I guess, what I consider criminal behavior under God's law, not under legal law. Because uh, they killed me. They killed me basically by that. So I was faking on one side the quiet type. I didn't uh, register. So in their mind, uh, a lot of things could happen. But basically what, you know, uh, the auntie would relay is always the discipline part. You were... Uh, doing a kalokohan, which is a mischief. So we send you inside. And now they will, they will patch at this every so often. Family food gathering, family food. Uh, they will try to sort of connect 
my parents with me, but then connect the the old one where they're set, they're the one they're the one protecting me from my parents. So that's that's a sort of the, the the game they play, and this is not unique to them as a relative. A lot of my relatives will sort of like sort of recruit you to their side, and you will think, okay, uh, wow, I believe you, but then they'll that this is it. They're following up with things that show that they don't care about you. They may care about you to a limit, but it's always a limit that uh, you would know is not caring. You're not their child, basically. And even in their child, they will almost coach their child to sort of lure you in, lure you into the uh, blood-brother relationship. You are the brother that they never had. Maybe the younger brother, maybe the older brother, maybe you are a sort of the quieter brother, the listener, they're going to pull you in. So I was trapped in this situation. And occasionally, we will have the swimming, uh, I guess, uh, retreats, I guess. Not, nothing major, but this didn't used to happen before. So what you could see that they were trying to connect. But at the same time, what they wanted to do was to uh, realign me with a habit, a habit of joining my cousins, for the company, which comprised of only three persons and a bunch of relatives. Uh, there was sometimes just one stranger that was also a photographer. I had a photographer friend that abandoned me uh, to death, that uh, rejected me from his home, that uh, he could be a lot of things. He could be an artist and photographer. He could be a different guy now. But he was... Uh, he was the photographer as far as my identity of him was. And then I have shaky hands. So you have trauma and the shaky hands. Not a good combination. And you have the hate. And you have the trash. The, the basically, because I didn't care about photography, I suck at photography. And this was what my cousin wanted to do. Uh, you, you know, he sort of like, you'll, he'll show you how to do Photoshop. I suck so much at Photoshop, not because I I I bad at it, but I never tried it because I don't have any photos. So I was like, how to use Photoshop as a drawing? And I don't understand the layers. I don't understand why you have to do the magic brushes. I don't have the knowledge. I only saw Photoshop once when I trained with some strangers in Aya, a sort of international school with a bunch of kids training parkour. And one of the, the kids had Photoshop and he was using it uh, as a drawing. Not a really good drawing, but it was like, okay, this is finally some guy that could finally tell me in the screen. Because if I see it in the YouTube, uh, it just doesn't register to me. I'm not that good of a learner at all. But to see that in YouTube was like, damn, 11 minutes of just watching you drag a bunch of stuff. It, it, it doesn't bother creativity. So a lot of things uh, on this end, you will think, okay, pretty... Uh, decent guys, right? But this guy was the same person who said he had psychiatry background. He graduated from psychiatry. This was the same guy I, I, I didn't try to want to hit in the previous uh, uh, podcast episode. So I stayed in my room for seven years. So he's finally graduated. He has his own lifestyle. And I don't respect the guy. I don't respect the guy anymore when he was kicking me with a front kick uh, back then. Uh, 
I don't really respect the guy at, at all when he's like, okay, here's your aloha, and then he'll visit enjoying visiting ours for uh, in my first rehab or psych ward plain view. I don't respect people who use the word rehab at all for for uh, this is a very Filipino thing. He's the type of guy who's more narcissistic about uh, uh, slangs. Like you don't call people psychos, but even if it's searched for psychotherapist. Psycho can also mean crazy. Yeah, well, you're pretty crazy, motherfucker. You uh, wanted me to be in a candid, whatever sort of company and that you built and you never really mentored me. Okay, so uh, I used to say, I used to have like, I, I cannot say that, I couldn't say it because. I wasn't in five different rehabs then. I was in different five psych wards then. Uh, I couldn't justify your jerkiness because you yourself have your own problems. But now I can say it because you you are the type of guy that I work hard to, to like practice and my photography and you will never give me feedback. You will never, your feedback is basically, it's either getting good, you're getting improving or you're not improving, but you never like, okay, we're rejecting your photograph because you're, uh, uh, you're you suck, you know, in, in this area, in this area, in this area. No, nothing, no constructive feedback. You are basically the guy that if I suggested something, all your answers back to me is that, it wouldn't fly because we're just a poor or a small company. This is these are tricks that big companies do, and you can be right, you can be wrong. I don't care. You put me in this situation, and you basically your idea of helping me was handing me a cigarette. Your idea of helping me was judging me every day of those times. Your idea of helping me was uh, instead of improving my photography. Uh, I will lose a shoe because of candy photography. You will be more concerned that I lost one shoe in the mud. Instead of like say, okay, you know what? Maybe if you want to take a shot in the mud, you 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 don't wear shoes like this, or let's try doing something like this, or let's try. You don't do that. You, you're. You, you, this is my. This is me saying to this guy because I couldn't say it in front of him too right now. If I say it in front of him. He will uh, basically, uh, you know, it will cost me to getting set back in. He will only be set back in. Why? He has, he has his own. Uh, maybe he was in a before. I don't know. Some people said because of his tattoos, he looked like he was the, the one who is going to be sent in my first time. But uh, I don't think so because he why? Because his parents are different. His parents are poor. His parents are. Uh, what what should I add to other things to his parents? Oh yeah, right. Uh, his parents basically love the fact that he's married, even though he basically uh married, you know. Uh, he basically had a fake kid. Uh, and then he switched wives. Don't know if the other wives knows it. Uh, they seem to have fun, but he uh he's the guy that. He, he built himself up from poverty, so maybe that's part of it, but he, he can go run away to his, as a child, to his tolda or whatever. That's a small carnival 
or something. And the father will fetch him and bring him back. And they'll talk to him. My father, it's a tough guy to send me the psych ward and say, you know what, son, I wasn't there during that time, so I didn't send you in. Yeah, you were in Manila area. You were there. You could have pulled me out under the jurisdiction. And you're bullshitting me even after all these years. And they will allow those, my father, that jurisdiction. They will not only allow him that right. They will, like, support my mother, maybe hate my father, but support my mother, because they're the mother's side of the relative. Uh, but the worst part is they will add to my stress. And that was the most stressful part. Every day, hating, fearing the darkness. And you don't even know what psychiatry was on fault back then. You say, uh, you you think that it was the, the guardian, or you think this was a sort of a special uh, home for the homeless, whatever. And the thing is, it's not. And a lot of people don't realize it. I had a friend inside the, my last rehab. He, he, he said, you know what? I hate my parents too. I think I'm going to be like you and I'm going to last a year because I've already been a year back then. Uh, he didn't last a year. Uh, he couldn't last a year. He, and, he, he, and you would think that was... Uh, that was like uh, that would be a good thing, but he's not online in, in Facebook right now. We're trying to search for JB, and he JB's not online. And uh, imagine that JB, unlike me, didn't drop out of school. He took a course that he didn't want in a very expensive uh, uh, university, the University of Asia and the Pacific, which in here may not be among the top ranked schools, but it's like the top rank in expensive school. There's a big difference there because there's a, there's a big four in our school, in our country, and then there's like these places where they're, the reason they're not top rank because they're so good, but they're expensive. They're fucking expensive. Every sem. Uh, and he took years of his life for a parent that he, uh, he was mad at or something. He only go to Jesus, but he was you know, he, as soon as he heard my tell, he was like, he was prepared for one year. He couldn't last one year. Why? Because the first time is always the trickiest part. The first time you think you're informed, but unless you be with some person who's there, not only being in a multiple psych ward, but educating himself uh, and sharing himself, he's not going to be introduced. He may even be introduced to the common ones, the, the people that will know some part of the DSM. Some, some kind of medicine, some atypical, typical, uh, that are things that I don't know. Uh, not because I don't have an idea, but I didn't research them because I was focused on the human rights side. So they will know some part of the medicine, but they will know, wouldn't understand the system. You know, They wouldn't understand how the system works, where, especially with different systems, different modifications. They will think that the system is uh, a system where once you go out and there's a chance that you go out, you take it. And most people are right. You take it. But they don't understand that once you take it, you're also going to have an authorization. You're also going to be giving uh, things like covenants, contracts, uh, blackmail things, uh, guards. Uh, they don't understand that. And once it sinks into their head that they're going to be free, they take it until they disappear off the grid. 
some people don't disappear off the grid and you'll see their stress. You'll see them uh, like literally uh, returning back to smoking, not sleeping well at all. No matter how much you share their uh, big shows, explain to them things like sleep therapy. Uh, you, you explain to them things that uh, because you're not only not the psych, their, their psychologist or psychiatrist, because you're not directly connected to, your, to their parents, even as you try to bridge that gap, which I have uh, with one of my friends, Michelle, which, where I have talked to her mother directly instead of just her, and I also talked to her. So I had these two perspectives. Uh, I wasn't uh, going to... Uh, in my first ward, even with my second ward combined, I wasn't fully informed that psychiatry had as much to toxic to do as my parents. Like, like these were two partners. They were empowering each other. They were living off a certain subculture that's hidden in society, which is a subculture where people have problems. And maybe they don't have money. Maybe they were graduated, they had money, but then suddenly they're not allowed to use money. There's things, so they rely on people that uh, couldn't function on that level. I bypassed that function because I played poker. I started playing poker. I, I started before as a trial in a free roll. That means I don't pay anything, and I took seven plays, uh, and I didn't save the money. So that, and I was thinking of saving the money, but I didn't realize at the time that. Uh, the money I was was a sort of play money chip that I had to buy in. So the dealer wouldn't allow me to do that in a cash game that I later joined. So a lot of things I realized that during a cash game where uh, Gary McRat, uh, one of the more aggressive uh, local players, would like shove like 20,000. Like he would, he wasn't, he, I don't even know if he bought that in because he, he knew the guy, but you didn't have a guy shoving uh, like 20,000 in front of you. You bought for 2,000. Uh, at best, that's like six or eight, and there's like a bunch of black shit in your in your first try, and you learn a lot of, about yourself. In poker. You learn: are you spewing? You learn: are you aggressive? You learn. You, you, keep in mind, I didn't, I didn't come from a free uh, money background, so I didn't just play the singa or this Facebook poker thing. Uh, in fact, I played poker uh, in a free service browser RPG called Poker RPG, where, where Riggs was pretty aggressive, but he was playing, you know, uh, a sort of real money, under semi-real money, semi-fake money. Whereas a lot of these guys that play things like Singa, they play too tight or they play too loose in a sense that the loose part is so nonsensical and the tight part is so tight that they're gathering large chips or they're losing large chips, but why, why not just spend it on micro stakes? You know, if you're going to play that tight, why don't you spend, uh, if you're going to play loose, I mean, of course, you don't want to lose big money. Uh, why not make some sort of a logic or context? You can't because it's free money. People are, you know, you're going to meet people who have the same irrationality. So uh, I didn't play poker after that. Uh, it's uh, like four months apart, one year. And then I got sent in. As soon as I got up, as soon as that camera hit, I, I couldn't practice because I wasn't the most productive guy, but I didn't also have the time to practice. Other guys can have like hold one 
one section of a pole and then just do five bars of holding that to stabilize themselves, train their arms, things. I couldn't, you know why? Because I live with pet people like my parents who, uh, uh, I remember they weren't allowing me to go out a lot. So uh, I was, they were misplaced the SD card. Sometimes it's not that they misplaced the SD card. Sometimes it's that I misplaced the SD card. They misplaced the other stuff so that by virtue of them moving the other stuff, I couldn't remember where I said it, put the SD card. And that was just SD card, remember? A lot of these cameras were, you know, I didn't have the soul of a photographer. Uh, I didn't, I knew, it was thought apertures, uh, speed something, or ISO, but I, I saw the world of photography as land until I was introduced to a local band, Kamikaze, Kamikaze, uh, having a wedding in a graveyard. And then I was introduced to French photography. This was me. Uh, then only then did I understand that uh, photography uh, has an ugly side. And this was what I want. This was what my model, even to my past when I was directing uh, uh, an independent film later on. You will make things beautiful. I will rebuild the ugly. You didn't understand what that means, but that was what to me grunge photography was. Uh, and I'm right with it. You know, uh, it was the videodrome to my to photography, the uh, becoming John Malkovich to my photography. So I hit that, and as soon as I was assigned uh, a, a sort of path to just clip YouTube videos, but without specifying what to do just like okay let's do a movie uh they thought i was joking when i said we would hire models i hit it through facebook through uh, uh, one of my friends with a uh, mass com i uh hired people that have no uh like the chatter students and stuff like that and i sunk in no payment the 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 uh the lure the attraction if the movie sells and we, you, we, there's a certain percentage. So it's, you're basically stakeholders of a movie. And we're not going to just make a movie. We're going to try to use a blogging platform because I don't know how to program to create a different kind of uh, uh, criterion channel like uh, Netflix type of stream. So we were going to create something that they didn't understand. In fact, a lot of even their veteran, I guess, staff, they didn't know what Old Boy was. So for those who don't know Old Boy, uh, Old Boy has one of those, one of the best budgeted uh, tunnel fight scenes ever. That was copied by the, the Netflix version of Daredevil. Both of those scenes were praised, but at the time, nobody was trying that those kinds of budget techniques. What they were playing, if then they say budget, is like, we're going to buy a set. We're gonna do stuff, and so I had. Well, I was assigned this movie title, Lady Boxer, and do the hell whatever you did. I do do a hell the whatever I did. As far as my cousin was concerned, he thought I was just. Uh, he was like, okay, in between your whatever you're doing there, uh, I'll teach you how to click the record button on a Sony camera thing. Uh, and this is like cinematography, this is like angles, this is the rule of threes, blah, blah, blah. But he wasn't like educating me. He was like, here's the rule of threes. You go search for what that is. I'll show you uh, 
a one six shot of it. Uh, and he was doing wedding photo- photography. So uh, a lot of these things, like trust me, uh, I hate weddings. You know, they they are not something I want to do. Uh, they are something that show people in their happiest moment, in their fakest moment, because people want their fairy tale lives. And it's not just fairy. It's no. It's, it's not a fairy tale. Trust me. In my later on, this is my uh, second rehab. Remember, I'm skipping this. In my third rehab, you'll find out how uh, someone I love and who I finally met through the guts of making an independent film got married while I was inside. I, would I have uh, dated her? Would I have like fell in love with her again uh, and changed destiny? Probably not, but I was talking to her one last time. And you know what's the worst part? I talked to her in the most uh, placid way because I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want to be tell her that I was the, uh, you could say, a, a marked man, that I was now a insane person, that I was a mental illness. So my last memory of her smiling at me was also her, uh, like, confused at me. Because why was I being like this suplado or what we call rude? But in the Filipino idea, it, it's a rude way that can also convey uh, not so much personality or words, but just basically like, well, you're stone face. That would be rude. You know, it, it, there's no distinction. So suplado is what's like my last memory of her. And now it's on, this is recording, so right? I could probably record another one, but I want to show you this. The bliss version. There's the bliss version is short because the bliss was never heaven to me. It was just a brief distraction. <laughs>